The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? This has been a rough week. I'm not even sure if I want to be here to talk about all this stuff today. But I'm here. So I guess we we got we got some good we got some good stuff, but Can you tell he's a Mets fan, ladies and gentlemen? Can he, I told you the last time we talked that objects in the rearview mirror are larger than they However, appear. However, before we even try to do the whole objects in the mirror, and you said let's, just say when, let's just say since said objects are in the mirror, said objects can't hold their lead either, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> see. So 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 before we go into the whole Met slander, let's talk about ATL not holding their end of the bargain either, because they 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 can't seem to capitalize either. He's feeling testy, but, y'all. But that's mine, and I'm gonna stick beside him. I have been on my whole life, and I ain't gonna stop right now. So. Remember all that confidence and bravado he had on July Fourth. Just go back and listen. Just go back there a few no months and listen. And bravado. That was more of I'm shocked and I'm surprised the season ain't over by June. <laughs> and the season still ain't over yet. So being a Mets fan ain't good for your mental health, but here I am. I'm still standing. Yeah, it's not and the confidence people. is still there. It's not for weak people. It's not. Many of y'all wouldn't be able to do it, so. Salute myself. If ain't nobody gonna pat myself, if ain't nobody gonna pat me on the back, I'll pat myself on the back. I need a shirt with my handprint right here. Okay, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Don't break your shoulder. Uh, definitely not. I need my shoulders. Uh, another score is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can also look for us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. Just search for Know the Score. Um, we're going to start off. I know there's a whole bunch of like other stuff going on. NFL started two weeks college football in the books. Um, NBA owners getting suspended. But it's my show, damn it, and I'm going to get to start off with what I want to. And what I want to talk about is Bubba Wallace winning. In Kansas this past weekend, uh, probably the worst weekend for him to win as far as media coverage goes because they ain't talking enough about my man. So that's the reason why we're starting this show off talking about him. So great run by Bubba. Uh, Kansas was a track earlier in the year where he probably could have won. Uh, his pit crew really let him down in the earlier race. And uh, he had a really heated exchange with his uh was his uh, crew chief during that race that everybody heard. And uh, ever since that, he did exchange on the radio where the crew chief came back and 
basically was like, yo, man, I'm only out here to do anything we can to help you. You know what I'm saying? We're not out here to try to do anything out here to hold you back. Just work with me and let me work with you. Uh, they've been running very well. And then on Sunday, uh, had a top 10, top 8, top 5 car all day. And in the final stage, he restarted second, took the lead uh, with about 65 laps to go and uh, ran away with it. And so there's no asterisks, no rain shortened anything. It wasn't at Talladega or Daytona, a restrictive plate where half the field got wrecked out and he won just by a battle of attrition. Nah. If your favorite driver is Chase Elliott, he beat him. If your favorite driver is Joey Logano, he beat him. If your favorite Eddie driver, beat his boss. Yeah, if your favorite driver is Denny Hamlin, he beat him. So there's nothing, like he said, there's nothing that they can say now. Uh, when he got out of the car, he put the, you know, finger up to his mouth to silence the haters. And uh, I just want to say congratulations to Bubba Wallace. This is a, definitely the win that he needed uh, in his career to kind of, like I said before, kind of all the naysayers who have something to say negative could always point to, oh, well, you know, it was a rain-shortened race, and, oh, NASCAR, you know, they just didn't want to restart the race just so they could have Bubba win, or, oh, it was Talladega, half the field got wrecked out. Mm-mm. Wasn't none of that this time. He just kicked yeah. their ass, and uh, yeah. that was uh, very gratifying. It was uh, it came on the heels of a pretty gratifying day for myself. So I'll talk about that in a little bit later. But uh, yeah. just to see him have a car that he could go up there and win with, especially on tracks, a track that really isn't what he's known for as far as having a chance to win races. Most of the time when you go to the bigger tracks, Daytona, Talladega, Michigan, uh, he's a he's a consistent threat to be in the mix to win. But when you go to the Charlottes and the Kansas and the more intermediate tracks, he's a lot more missed than hit. But uh, they found something they like at Kansas, and uh, he brought it home, and it was great. And uh, I'm just so happy. Hopefully he can keep the momentum going. Uh, he doesn't really race that well at, at Bristol, but, um, you know, he's got confidence. Just coming off a win, so extra Might need to stick. He needs to stay in the 4 or 5 permanently. <laughs> yeah. Um, extra pep in the step, so um, just a good, a good look, good Sunday for him. A uh, guy who probably has pressure and 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 – goes through things on a daily basis you can only imagine uh being the only black driver in nascar but yeah he definitely definitely shut all the haters up and uh hats off to my man bubba wallace all yeah right. it, it can i touch on that real yeah, quick it was, it was uh pretty funny because i was actually watching the WBA finals um and you know, I just got the phone venting to my mother. Shout out to my mom, of course. Um, um, over the events of Sunday that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, and so she called me back and 
I'm thinking something to him. She's like, Bubble One! And I was like, wait, what? For real? And so, like, you know, just the enthusiasm. And, of course, you know, my dad. Dad's a huge NASCAR fan. My mom, she's been with him for almost 40 years. So she's grown to like it as well because that's his thing. And she supports him. Um, but it, it is good, though. I think that's, you know, refreshing to see that happen and for him to get something that was, you know, because, of course, the first victory, everybody ragged on it for the reasons you just stated. And so for him to go out there, race the whole the whole distance, under green flag, no there's no conspiracies and there and there's absolutely they can't take it away, you know, inspections have passed already. Uh obviously since they're, you know, on the on to the next race. So it's a it's a legit win. It can't take it away. And they're in, like you said, and you just said, there's nothing that they can say now. So definitely happy that happened uh, for blah blah, and and hope this is one of many more to come in his in his career. Yeah, man. Um, he's been in NASCAR. I think this is his sixth full season mm-hmm. in NASCAR, and if nothing happens between the end of the season and the Daytona 500, it'll be the first time in his career that he's been racing in cup that everything will be the same. It's the car, the team, the crew chief, the people, everything. So he's had a lot of inconsistencies. Yes. And a lot of change that he's had to deal with every year that he's been in cup, whether it was, changing teams or Chevrolet changing the car or changing crew chiefs or NASCAR or, changing the car yeah, or moving to Toyota and now running Toyota having to learn Toyota for a season only to just now throw that car totally away and now have to learn a brand COVID yeah COVID yeah so just so much that he's had to go through that a lot of a lot of guys a lot of Sorry. Other, uh, man, they're out there. Uh, they're, they're celebrating Bubba Wallace's speed going by. Um, yes, <laughs> good old, old Hickory Boulevard for you. <laughs> yeah, so they just have a. Uh, so he's just had a lot of. Uh, he's just had a lot of change and and just not a lot of, like you said, consistency uh, so far in his career. But hopefully, with the. Um, the way things are set up now at 2311 uh, that, that he can kind of find that and like you said I think that consistency and the, just a confidence yeah can can lead to more race wins more top fives more top tens playoffs and and all those other things that come uh, with that I mean he's still relatively young I think Bubba is just now turning like 29 so mm-hmm. you know he's a uh, you know, he's still growing. Um, cup racing is hard. And back in the day, guys used to be 27, 28 years old, around the age he is now before they first even start racing at the highest level. So, um, you know, he's he's kind of finding 
himself right on par probably with where he should uh, realistically if we were looking at this you know 20-30 years ago um, so just excited for Bubba excited for Michael Jordan and, and that team to, to you know get these wins this season make themselves uh, uh, start to make themselves a real threat uh, to come out win races be competitive and uh, and you know, just excited to see where the next couple of years goes the rest of the season, and maybe Bubba can get one at Talladega, a legitimate uh, without the rain, and uh, you know he'll have two wins in the season, and that'll kind of catapult him going into next season where Daytona 500 is a race he's been close to winning a couple of times, and uh, yeah, it will be uh, it will be a big old celebration on this here podcast. If uh, I talked to you guys in February and uh, Bob Wallace is winning the Daytona 500, oh yeah, it, be, yeah, we 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 all yeah. that's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. Can't all right, you go, we're gonna talk about something that wasn't fun for Dwayne. We're gonna talk about his Carolina Panthers as they uh, have to the Baker Mayfield Revenge Tour hit a roadblock. Uh, it was going well until it wasn't. No, 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 no. The roadblock was Cade York. <laughs> well, I won't even say that. I won't say that. Um, go ahead and start it, then I'll. 26 24 Browns win, uh, late field goal. Uh, to break the heart of Dwayne and Baker Mayfield and and the whole city of Charlotte. So, Dwayne, at this point, sir, take it away. I guess so. It didn't get off to a good start. I mean, Miles Garrett was wrecking um, Icky Aquano, uh, Davion Clowney, who returned back to Charlotte. Um, homecoming for him being down, being from Rock Hill down the road um, they were wrecking shop pretty much most of the game as a result there was a lot of um, snap issues I think there was like three or four fumble snaps uh, one of those actually picked up by Christian McCaffrey went 28 yards on it um Another part of the game was, yeah, another part of the game was just um, the, there was a lot of tip back, a lot of tip passes, uh, I think a lot of trying to force the issue, and when you're in long distances, you take out your top weapon, which is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I think he only had like 10 carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Um, and I give Carolina credit. I mean, they were down the whole game, and McCaffrey scores a touchdown. And I, I want to say the only reason why they were in the game was the fact that the other side, on the other side of the ball, the QB was not much better. Uh, Jacoby Brissett 
Eddie, I think if Deshaun Watson was playing, uh, or if there was a more elite quarterback playing, uh, the Panthers probably been put away a whole lot sooner. Uh, Baker gets a touchdown. They get a field goal. He gets a 75-yard bomb to Robbie Anderson. And, and, you know, which is very interesting. So, obviously, they got that out the way. Yeah, because uh, Robbie Anderson and uh, – and, um, and... But was he wasn't he was the most outspoken about not necessarily wanting Baker on the team, right? Mm. And of course, he tried to clarify that by saying he was just trying to stick up for uh, Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. uh, which he does have history with, obviously, which I can understand. Uh, but I will say that. It was a very interesting. It was a very interesting game. I I I liked the shots that were taken downfield, and I don't know what the Browns were doing on that touchdown pass. It looks like they were just really just napping, and uh, I think there was a couple. You know, I don't like putting things on the referees because. You know, the teams put themselves in these predicaments to begin with. But there were a couple of bad calls, a bad rough in the passer on Brian Burns. Uh, and then uh, the they try to say Jacoby Brissett fake spike, but I think he lined up and then he lined up and then didn't fake spike it and he intentionally grounded had that happened, then it would have not have been a field goal range. And although K York has a leg that's out of this world, I mean, the Browns drafted him in the fourth round and definitely showed why he was worth that pick. But I think that would have affected his range. And, you know, had he possibly made it, from further, definitely would have had a chance, but a lesser chance of it being good from where the grounding spot would have been versus where it was kicked. So, uh, tough game. They need to first take care of the ball, work on the snaps, work on the exchanges. They need to get Christian McCaffrey going, like Ben McAdoo's got work to do to adjust to that. I think the defense can have a bounce back game. Uh, the run defense is a little bit of a concern. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt went wild for 217 and two touchdowns combined. They got a dynamic running back coming up against Saquon Barkley. Uh, but I think if they can make Daniel Jones throw the ball, they have a chance. Um, but, yeah, that's really my assessment of that game. How did Christian McCaffrey look to you? I think he looked he looked good when he had the chances to get the ball. Uh, we saw some flashes where he was able to make a few Browns miss and get 
nothing, what looked like nothing in the nine yards. So uh, he looked healthy. I think the tips that he got from Marshall Falk really helped out. Didn't say what those tips were. Kept it close to the vest. But uh, I think he looked great when he did have the chances. I mean, only had 3.3 yards for carry, but a lot of that was due to uh, Carolina be put in. Very bad position yeah, where he couldn't really go out and do what he can do best. Third down. <laughs> they got long distances on third down. Yeah, a lot of a lot of third and long distances and things of that sort. So when you're in that predicament, uh, a lot of and the plays that he got receiving weren't all that impressive. So like I said, Ben McAdoo's got work to do. Um it looks like we got another part of the revenge tour. It's not necessarily Baker related, but it is uh, Ben McAdoo related with the Giants coming up. Um, I also think that, and of course, it would be Carolina the ones to give up a home a season opening loss to the Browns. That the Browns never won a <laughs> season opener, so that. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, anybody else stand out from the game offensively, defensively from the Panthers before we, we move on? I think for the – nobody really stood out. Um, it's not easy having your first um, game against a freaking nature like Miles Garrett. <laughs> Uh, you know, Quanu, he did adjust like in the latter stages of the game, but I think that was also where the pressure wasn't as intense as it was. But even when Carolina got back into the game, you did see a lot of improvement. So I, I think I think that is going to be the left side of the Panthers are going to if they can grow together because you got a quantum at the tackle, Brady Christensen, who was a tackle, he's playing guard now. Uh, you got Austin Corbett in the middle at the center uh, or at right guard. So the the two interior linemen positions, which was a huge problem for Carolina, isn't that much of a problem anymore. Uh, and so... Uh, nobody on the defensive side really stood out to me. Uh, J.C. Horn, it was good to see him back. He did have a couple of not-so-great penalties, and so Carolina has a chance to do it. Rebound against a lesser quarterback again. Uh, they probably should have won this game, but it just didn't swing our way. Disappointing, but it is what it is. Well, Matt Rule definitely is starting off this new season on a little bit of the hot seat, not getting the job done. Baker Mayfield starting off disastrously against his former team. So we'll see if you guys can bounce back this week against the Giants and see what uh, the Panthers have got. Now, moving on to the Commanders, um, the inaugural game of the Commanders in the regular season. And season number 90. 
and um, thank you to Samantha and all the media people up uh, in Washington with the commanders. I was able to cover the game uh, for CSPN and know the score. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, had Patreon? Uh, no, it's everything's on the um, YouTube page. Right. Yeah, YouTube page and Twitter. Check it out. Um, so we have uh, back. We have after post game right. interview with Cole Holcomb uh, that I do personally. Uh, we have the locker room interview with uh, Terry McLaurin. We also have another locker interview, uh, locker room interview with Derek Forrest, uh, and then we have uh, Jahan Dodson at the podium uh, after scoring two touchdowns. Um, game was uh, well attended. A lot of uh, atmosphere um, at the game. A lot of fans uh, for Washington were excited uh, about the team, about the game, about the day. Um, it started out great as far as the football team goes. Um, Fourteen to three. Uh, Curtis Samuels comes out, gets a, a touchdown. Um, can, can I say something? My yes, week sir. one overreaction of the week. Yes, sir. I'll tell you, Washington go make playoffs this year. It's Ron <laughs> Rivera's year. <laughs> uh, Curtis Samuel was healthy. He looked great. Uh, really featured on the opening drive where uh, Washington went down and got the touchdown uh, from him. Ricky Jahan Dodson scored the second touchdown uh, yeah, I mean, with- uh, of the game. Um and it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Um, it was 14-3. Washington was pretty much controlling things offensively. Jacksonville has shown a few flashes here and there offensively, but not really enough to put anything really together. And then uh, Washington tried to get cute and ran Curtis Samuels in between the tackles, and he fumbled. And it kind of gave Jacksonville a little bit of life, uh, even though they ended up missing a field goal right before halftime. Uh, so come out in the third quarter, uh, third quarter, um, Jacksonville catches life uh, because they start going to uh, their slot receivers and running backs on Jamin Davis. And, uh, yeah, just easy pitches and catches. Um, secondary wasn't really that good in the third quarter. Jacksonville really content. I think Washington had the ball once in the third quarter. Um, Jacksonville got the ball. Washington had the ball to start the third quarter. Didn't do anything. Jacksonville got the ball scored. Washington didn't do anything. Jacksonville got the ball back again, scored a, a touchdown the second time. James Robinson. Um, so really controlled the third quarter, took the lead. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, oh my gosh, it was uh, Carson Wentz meltdown mode as he threw interceptions on back-to-back plays. Um, and so Jacksonville looked like they were going to, you know, it's going to be their day. But Carson Wentz bounced back. He threw a deep ball to Terry McLaurin. That's what he does. He and, bounces back. <laughs> and then uh, later, after a good defensive stop, a couple of defensive stops, he, uh, he he got the ball back and he hit Jahan Dotson for his second touchdown of the game, which proved to be the game winner. Derek Forrest ended up getting the game-clinching interception. And the Washington Commanders start the season one and zero. Just uh, uh, things that I noticed from the from the press box. Washington secondary awful. 
Kendall Fuller and uh, and 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 uh, Will, William Jackson. They're lucky that Trevor Lawrence is still a rookie and doesn't really under, and like doesn't have the experience and the touch on his passes yet or understanding of where to throw the ball. Because man, there was some terrible, terrible secondary play from Washington. Uh, Washington's going to have a tough time with any team that has any size that wants to run the ball uh, just because their linebacker play a suspect. Uh, Jamin Davis, uh, number 52, their first-round draft pick last year out of Kentucky. They need to switch him to being a specialist to just rush the passer. Nickel, rush in, stand-up kind of guy because – He's not that good in coverage. He's terrible in coverage, actually. And uh, question though, yes, aren't sir. they missing Curl? Yeah, they were missing Curl. That's the reason why Derek Forrest was actually in there. He was playing for Curl, but they got to find a way to keep that kid in the in the uh, in, in the starting lineup. Uh, we had a great interview, actually. His interview is a really good one because uh, he's a second year player, and uh, the guys. Uh, you know, he was talking about how the guys were telling him, all oh, we, you know, you're going to have a chance to make a play. You know, you're going to be, you know, stay focused, stay in the game. You know, this is going to be your chance to come out. And then, uh, you know, all with the media, we were all around him. And uh, the guys were cheering for him, you know, talked to the media and everything like that. They were really happy for him to to get that type of, uh, to get that type of love and, and attention from the media. So, yeah, it's a really cool interview to hear those guys in the background cheering and, and hyping them up and, and uh, you know, just showing a lot of camaraderie for a young guy who, who made a lot of plays in that particular game. He made a lot of plays in that game. Um, he broke up a pass uh, in the end zone that could have been a touchdown. Like I said, he made the game ceiling uh, touchdown. Uh, he was all over the field. He delivered a, a – he got a personal foul for helmet to helmet. But really, it was like the running back dropped his head right when he got ready to tackle him. So they kind of collided. But yeah, Derek Forrest was uh, was 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 really good. Uh, Terry McLaurin in the interview, um, he lights up when they ask him a question about just what the receiving core could be and the things that they could do uh, in this season. So he's really excited uh, for, for that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good time, man. It was a lot of fun, um, just being in that kind of environment. It's the first time that I've covered an NFL game, so didn't really kind of know what to. Was the food good? Or what to do? Uh, the food was decent. Um, they had uh, grilled chicken. Well, they had like breakfast when we got there, so it was like you know sausage and eggs yeah. and you know from potatoes and things like that. And then uh, they had like uh, they had grilled chicken, rice, and green beans, and then they had hot dogs and hamburgers and salad. There you go. Well. Yeah, I, I, what you're talking about that I was recalling to my my time when I was doing Titans games, and I was like, yeah, I got got to hear about the food. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Pretty, that's dope though. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just a great experience. It was fun, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to to do a couple more, a few more, um, as my schedule uh, permits and opportunity permits. So, um, yeah, if go go to the CSPN Media YouTube page or go to the CSPN Media Twitter page or 
Don Delorente, my Twitter page, and uh, you'll see links to all of those uh, those interviews and the coverage of the in-game hits. We try to do it like a real reporter. Definitely. So we got. So, so yeah. There we so, go. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, other things that I saw, kind of um, noticed. Um, I think ETN might be one of those guys, kind of like Le'Veon Bell, where he might be more better suited as a receiver. I mean, he has some really good runs as a running back, but he's lethal as a receiver. Um, and they've got a really good running back in Robinson, like a real, you know, kind of pounded in their running back. So I think offensively, man, Jacksonville, they, they've got some weapons. If, if, Cars, if Carson wins, if, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence, yeah, can you know just uh, with a little bit more experience, more, more, more reps, more games, more you know studying. I, I think they could definitely surprise a bunch of teams, put up a lot of points. Um, Washington really got lucky that they had good pressure from their defensive line for most of the game uh, because they there were some things that if Carson went that if Trevor Lawrence had time. Yeah. Uh, he probably would have made some some throws that definitely would have changed the outcome in that game. Their guys ran. And wide. this is, and this is me being a Carson Wentz apologist, though. But that Trayvon Walker in a sense was more Trayvon Walker than Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah. Um, the offensive lineman didn't do what he was supposed to do, and the guy, and he just happened to be in the in the way and. Yeah, yeah. Trayvon Walker um, got a sack in that game. Um, I think he's like the fourth or fifth player to ever have like a sack and interception in his first game. Number one pick, yeah. I think, uh, something like that. So, uh, yeah, he's he's good. He's really good. He's he's really really good. Um, so, Commanders one and zero. Offense looks like it could definitely be top notch, explosive. Being able to put up 28 points um, consistently, that would definitely help out the defense because I think they're going to give up 24 to 27 points consistently. So uh, they're going to need all that they can get from the offense. But first game, definitely a lot to be encouraged about. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to to covering more games uh, as the season progresses. Um. Now we just do a quick whip around the league. Uh, just some craziness going on. Uh, I think the craziest game all weekend was probably Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Oh, my God. Joe Burrow just comes out, and it looks like he's playing Madden on all Madden for the first. Like, we haven't played Madden in a while. And you pick it up, and you forgot, oh, damn, it's still set on all Madden. Uh, Hungover. <laughs> takes you about a, a, a half to get used to the speed and what you can get away with and stuff again. Yeah, that was yeah. Joe Barrow. He threw four interceptions in one half. Um, it was bad. Uh, but uh, it, it. Let me say this. It was crazy because I had Stafford of Burrow as my fantasy quarterback, and Stafford already had a bad game Thursday. So I'm like, okay, Joe Burrow's going to – do all right against the Steelers, and yeah, I was very glad I cut, I had Stafford in the game, which was which is bad. Yeah, it was just a uh, a fiasco there for half of Joe Burrow, but uh, they they got their stuff together, and uh, Evan McPherson, their their 
the Money guy McPherson. Who, guy who took him a long way in the playoffs last year, missed the extra point in the field goal to keep them from winning in regulation. Pittsburgh. Well, the extra point was blocked, and then yeah, Mika Fitzpatrick got to give him his props on that. Oh yes, yes, he's on the fantasy team too. So yeah, he and, he, uh, he made up for it. And uh, we went into overtime, and it looked like it was going to be a tie, but no, Pittsburgh they they ended up uh, pulling out the victory, twenty three to twenty. So kudos to Mitchell Trubisky finding a way. It wasn't the prettiest thing, but he got the job done. And, uh, uh, it, it, that's what's up if he was a better quarterback Pittsburgh would have won that game that game would have never went to overtime yeah you're right because I mean there's no way that you should have five turnovers in a game and still have a chance to not even let's say be close but a chance to win it multiple times or if they did um, Indianapolis and Houston they tied at 20 to 20 um, Jonathan Taylor massive game 100 over 160 yards rushing uh, he is on my fantasy team so that was a welcome sight thank you thank you uh, Brian Dayball having the big cut you go for the oh he had national suicide watch I, I think the whole city was about to. I think this whole city was about to to off themselves after that game. <laughs> but I I loved it because they they took the gamble. They went for it and it paid off. Yeah, they uh, they get down. They're uh, they're down by a touchdown, uh, twenty to uh, thirteen. Uh, so they get down there and they run a shovel pass to go for it on fourth down to even extend the drive. Then they get third and goal, run a shovel pass. Saquon Barkley gets it in with a lot of second, third effort because it wasn't blocked really well. And then they go for two, and uh, they they get the two point conversion. And uh, and uh, then their defense held on. Uh, well, not really. Uh, Tennessee's kicker missed a field goal. Yeah, Randy Bullock. Yeah, I gotta give Tannehill credit because he actually did get the he did his job. Yeah, he he had a lot of big throws on that last drive to get them back uh, within the field goal range, but the kicker just didn't do his job, which was the theme pretty much of the of the weekend. Uh, a lot of kickers missing a lot of kicks. Um, kind of just run through some other just scores really quick. Uh, Atlanta doing what they do, blowing leads. They lost to the Saints 27-26. Mariota was having a good game for three quarters, and then they fumbled snap, and everything went downhill from there. Jamin Swinston turned it up in the fourth quarter, and, uh, yeah, the Saints got the win. Bears 19-10 in a monsoon. Congrats to Jay to the max as uh, the Bears, Justin Fields, Got the better of the dual threat quarterbacks as he outplayed Trey Lance, and so the Bears got the win there. Um, the Eagles jumped out big against the Lions. Lions fought back, made it a game with about four minutes to go. It was 38 35, but the Eagles were able to make some first downs and salt away the win. So the Eagles uh, victorious to start out. The Dolphins. Much talked about offense, what's going to look like Tyreek Hill. Uh, 
They win over the Patriots 20-7. to Everybody had question marks about what the Patriots' offense was going to be, who was going to call the plays, what, what the philosophy of it was going to be, was it going to be good. The answer was no, it was not good. Uh, Mac Jones uh, suffered some sort of back injury. We haven't really gotten a clear statement yet on what was done, if it was uh, if it if it's need surgery or if it was just spasms. So uh, we'll be staying tuned to hear about Mac Jones as we get further into the week, closer to the game. Uh, Ravens twenty four to nine over the Jets. Um, the Ravens defense suffocating Joe Flacco. Uh, sitting up back there, Lamar hitting uh, deep passes. Uh, to Rashad Bateman, uh, uh, Lamar says that he's not negotiating uh, anymore this year. So that contract talk needs to be deaded. He's concentrating on football. Um, Packers looked awful against the Vikings. Uh, Aaron Rodgers basically ripping his receivers in public, trying to uh, – get those guys to, to get on the same page with him, speed up their learning curve. Uh, maybe it'll help that he'll have Alan Lazard back more than likely this week. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, teaching and, uh, and a lot of sh- lack of patience uh, from Aaron Rodgers right now uh, for, these, uh, for this group of wide receivers that he's currently got. Uh, the Vikings look like a whole new team. They looked uh, like they were having fun. Looked like they kind of, like the report said, didn't enjoy playing for Mike Zimmer. But it looks like so far they do enjoy playing for Kevin O'Connell. So uh, we'll see if they can keep that going for the rest of the season. Uh, Cardinals, they took an ass whooping against the uh, against the Chiefs, forty four to twenty one. But it really wasn't that close. Patrick Mahomes said, "Who needs Tyreek Hill?" Right, Patrick Mahomes um, lights out five touchdowns, distributing the ball around to a bunch of different people. Um, just uh, like somebody said, Andy Reid had six months to scheme up uh, this game plan, and yeah, he had guys running wide open uh, by what he schemed up. So, uh, congratulations uh, goes out to those guys. But the Chiefs definitely look like the most impressive team of the weekend. Uh, Chargers outlasted the Raiders 24-19. Derek Carr is a turnover machine in this game. Uh, He was able to find uh, Devontae Adams a lot uh, throughout the day, but that's about the only person he could find. Um, So... He got Darren Waller, but he was not a factor. Yeah. I mean, he threw to him like 15, he threw Adam like 15 times or something ridiculous. Well, you got to give credit to the Charger defense. I think they have the best defense in the NFL. I mean, you got Joey Bosa on one side, Khalil Mack on the other. You got Derwin James in the in the um, secondary. You have Sebastian Joseph Day at defensive tackle. That, that defense is loaded. Well, we will definitely continue to see how loaded that defense is going forward. Like you said, uh, Khalil Mack, I think, had what, three sacks in his uh, yeah, in his, in his debut with the, with the Chargers. So, um, yeah, it looks like. But 
They got a huge test tomorrow night, though, against Kansas City, though. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, Bucks beat the Cowboys 19-3. The story in this game, though, is Dak Prescott injured. Uh, The thumb, wrist, some part of his throwing hand. Uh, They... I've seen people talk about maybe it not taking six to eight weeks, but I haven't heard anybody that I trust confirm that. So as far as I know, he's got a broken thumb or something in his uh, throwing hand that he's going to need surgery, and that's going to be six to eight weeks. Um, Just a overall dismal performance by the Cowboys. Uh, their defense, Michael Parsons, he looked great, fantastic. Two sacks on Brady. Their red zone defense was great. They yeah. held Tampa Bay to a lot of field goals. Only one touchdown throughout the whole game. So the defense definitely came to play and upheld, upheld their part. The uh, the other side of the ball, though, was uh, a lot to be desired. And then we have our Monday night football game. Uh, Denver traveled to Seattle, where Seattle held on to beat Denver 17-16. Denver Because Nathaniel Hackett went to the Andy Reid School of Clock Management. Yep, there you go. That's one way to look at it. uh, If you watch the Manning cast and if you watch the tweet afterwards, Peyton Manning literally called a timeout 62 times. In 37 <laughs> seconds before the Broncos actually decided to call a timeout. The clock was at 57. They called a timeout with 20 seconds left. They had a, they could have had way more time to figure out what they wanted to do. Well, instead of stalling, mm-hmm. and they, it was the exact opposite of Brian Dayball. <laughs> Mm, that's true. Um, first time head coach, um, you know, first time really kind of being in that high pressure situation. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things going around, swirling around, thousand miles an hour information plays and people running in off the field. So, um, you know, first game, you may be able to excuse it, um, a little bit better, um, as far as just, not ideal clock management. Um, it's kind of like the, um, we're going to talk about Texas and Alabama here a little bit. It's kind of like the kid in that game where Alabama goes up and there's only a few seconds on the clock and the kid brings the ball out of the end zone and tries to return it. Like, what are you doing? Right. You know, so uh, it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, sometimes you get caught up and especially, if it, you know, with this being a thing, I hack it's first head coaching job. Um, you know, just probably got caught up in the moment a little bit, and uh, yeah, and, and it cost them because, uh, yeah, it definitely it, if you lose with Russell Wilson out there, then you don't leave yourself to any second guessing because you're like, you know, well, what do you want me to do, guys? Kick a 66 yard field goal? You know, it's not quite him. You know, McManus has got a great leg, but that's not quite his range. He's not in Denver, though. Yeah, yeah. And just be like, yo, it's not quite his range. So, you know, we went with it with Russ, good or bad, however it goes. 
But at least as a coach, you know what I'm saying, it's not what he had to go through today where it was basically like, uh, yeah, I was a bee brain. I should have gave first of all. We should have, you know, tried to advance our position through first downs and not just settle for the field goal. But uh, that was that. So, um, like you alluded to, week two starts off tomorrow uh, as we record this. So the very first games on Amazon Prime as a uh, sole provider of the Thursday night football games. Uh, do you think the site is ready? Do you think Amazon is ready? Do you think that the public is going to follow this Thursday night football game to the streaming service because this is something new and foreign to football fans? I think. I think. The, I think there's enough demand and enough subscribers. I think Amazon's ready. I mean, they've they've used Major League Baseball. They they have games on Prime Video there. They have WNBA games. They have other games there. So I know this is a bigger magnitude, obviously, with America's most popular sport. And I'm, you know, not oblivious to that fact whatsoever. But mm-hmm. I have confidence that they they are going to be ready and. I'm looking forward to seeing what that experience will be like, and and we'll just have to we'll just have to see. I mean, either it's going to be a success and people will rave about it, or there'll be a field day on Twitter while this happens. Yeah, very much so. Very much so about that. So heading into week two. Uh, some of the marquee matchups, Bucks and Saints. Uh, that's a one o'clock kickoff, so uh, that's definitely going to be kind of, I guess, the marquee NFC game uh, in the early slate. You got Patriots and Steelers, uh, old rivalry renewed. Um, uh, Dolphins and Ravens should be pretty good. Both teams one and zero there. Um, Bengals and Cowboys should be very intriguing just to see how the Cowboys look coming off of that loss of Dak Prescott and just looking overall just terrible uh, against the Buccaneers. Uh, And uh, the Packers and the Bears is a kind of interesting game now uh, just because of the way Aaron Rodgers uh, uh, looked against uh, Minnesota and Justin Fields looked pretty good against the 49ers. And then uh, the second half of the Monday night doubleheader that is taking place next week, the Vikings and the Eagles. That definitely uh, could be a preview of the NFC Championship game uh, between those teams. Uh, so that should be very, very good. So some uh, some, some very good matchups uh, week two uh, in the NFL. Uh, let's see, the Waynes, uh, Carolina Panthers are playing... New York Giants. Uh, the New York Giants. New York Giants. So, um, Saquon against McCaffrey. Hopefully both guys stay healthy. And uh, they can put on a show and uh, see who the best pure, you know, running back is between those two. That could be a lot of fun. Depending on which side is, you know, you fall on. Um, the Commanders are playing the Lions in Detroit. It's not going to be an easy game. Detroit tough scrappy team doesn't go away um hard nosed so the commanders better be ready to come out and play and play hard and play smart uh because if they don't they will get tripped up by detroit 
Um, anything else you'd like to add or any observations uh, before we move on to our next topic? No, I think we pretty much summed everything up uh, during the marquee matchups and everything. Uh, I think the matchup I'm going to be also looking out for is is uh, to see how the aside from the Amazon uh, Prime Prime thing and seeing how that works out. Um, I want to see the Jets and the Browns, uh, Falcons and the Rams. I want to check those games out, kind of see where, how they're going to bounce back. Seahawks in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Cardinals and Raiders. I uh, wish DeAndre Hopkins was playing because that would be a great matchup. Hopkins and the with uh, Hopkins versus um, um, Devontae Adams. See how those battle of the top two receivers are. Goes down. Um, really interested to see how, I know you got the Titans and Bills on um, ESPN and then on ABC. And I love the fact they got Monday Night Football back on ABC again. Uh, Vikings and Eagles, kind of like old nostalgia kind of deal. So, all right, so we're gonna move over to college football. Number one, Alabama. They survived against the Texas Longhorns, twenty to nineteen. Uh, Bryce Young put them on the back and uh, delivered. I uh, got him in place for the game-winning field goal. Um, just a, a, a really good effort by Texas. Um, but they did the one thing you can't do when you play football, and that's kick too many field goals in the red zone. They had three second-half field goals, and they all came within the red zone. If they could score a touchdown in any one of those scenarios, it's probably a much different story. We're talking about Alabama being upset by Texas and maybe the uh, Steve Sartesian era getting springboarded into the atmosphere. Uh, but nonetheless, Bryce Young, defending Heisman Trophy candidate, was very, very large on the final drive. They gave Alabama the lead and ultimately the win. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this game, Dwayne? Dwayne? Yeah. Did you watch Texas and uh, Alabama? Um, I watched some of it. I watched... What I the main part that I saw was how close that tackle was. I think had Bryce Young got sat, we'd be having a whole totally different conversation right now. Uh, when it, when I say it's a game of inches, it literally was just a few inches. Uh, Bryce Young moved over to his left to dodge the sack, and I think that was definitely the play of the game that propelled that sealed Alabama's win. Yeah, I thought that uh, Texas had a great defensive game plan. Uh, they really uh, showed a lot with uh, what they did defensively. They ran a lot of zone blitz, and they were blitzing out of the secondary. So what they were doing, in essence, was um, dropping the defensive lineman into coverage and then on one side. So let's say 
uh, the defensive lineman would drop into coverage on the left-hand side, and then from the right-hand side, they would be blitzing the cornerback or nickelback, and it was really confusing uh, Bryce Young in Alabama. Uh, that's what happened on that play that you were just talking about, Game of Inches, where they had a, a perfectly timed corner blitz, and the guy comes in, and he just doesn't have good technique, and uh, Bryce Young is able to basically dip low, and the guy kind of goes over top of him instead of hitting him solid. Bryce Young doesn't go down and scrambles out and uh, keeps the drive alive and, and sets everything in motion. But um, Texas uh, also was playing with their backup quarterback because their starting quarterback uh, was injured, and then their backup quarterback wasn't 100% healthy as well. So um, – just a good performance by Texas uh, just to get that far with Alabama. So uh, they may have something to look forward to down there this year uh, when it comes to Texas football uh, with Steve Sarkis. Yeah, which they definitely haven't had in a long time. So nope. I know there's sucks that I have more victories, but that's something they can be take some positives from. Appalachian State, they headed down to uh, Kyle Field. And they defeated Texas A&M 17-14. So Appalachian State strikes again. Jimbo Fisher uh, talked all that trash with Nick Saban in the offseason. But, uh, yo, man, your team just lost to App State at home. Uh, So you guys got a lot more work to do to get ready for uh, Alabama, it looks like. Um, Texas A&M, same problem they have all the time. It It just takes them too long to figure out a quarterback. Jimbo... It's always so damn temperamental with these quarterbacks. And uh, same thing here. They're still trying to figure out if they have the right guy quarterback or not. Jameis Winston is not walking through that door. (laughs) Uh, Marshall, they upset Notre Dame 26-21. So the Marcus Freeman era is uh, getting off to a rough start. uh, 0-3 if you count his. His uh his career record his, uh, he hasn't coached the bowl game last year, but uh, as I wrote on Twitter during the week of the game, um, it's a damn shame that they have overvalued and overhyped Notre Dame just so they could say that they had a top ten matchup for Labor Day weekend because yeah. any and everybody who's watched college football understands college football knows that Notre Dame had nothing going into the season this year, especially right. on offense. Especially offensively. Yeah. And to have them ranked fifth was criminal. And then, They literally looked at last year and just went off of that when they should have looked at this year's body of work. And then when you look at – and a lot of – I mean, a lot of people – you know, those were Brian Kelly's guys that either decommitted or left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a good, um, not, it's going to be tough. I, I'd be surprised if uh, Freeman even lasts this season. You know that fan base will turn on you real quick. Uh, if you're not producing, especially for football, mm-hmm. hate it for him. But <laughs> if he don't write the ship, this is what it will happen. 
Uh, speaking of not writing the ship and what will happen, uh, that brings us to Scott Frost as, uh, what was it, Georgia State or Georgia Southern? Which one was it? Uh, state, not. Wait, 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 wait. Before we. Let me. Because they, 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 sen- they get sensitive. They get sensitive about it, so I want to make sure. Yes, you don't want to confuse Statesboro and Atlanta. Don't ever want to. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, because they will be like. Southern, not state, state, not southern. Yeah, it was Georgia Southern. So, yeah, Nebraska paid them $1.4 million to come to Lincoln. Yeah. And Southern, not state, knocked them off 45 42. Yeah. Um, just crazy. Just a bunch of, I mean, college football in, in general was just really, really crazy uh, this past weekend. Um, another upset we had was um, Marshall going into Notre Dame, getting Notre Dame with Washington, got Wisconsin uh, in a late-night game. Uh, BYU and Baylor, I don't know if you stayed up. Oh, yeah, late. Wazoo. Um, if you stayed up super late. Yeah, that was Wazoo, not Washington State. Oh, Washington State, excuse me. Washington State upset Wisconsin. Um, yeah. Baylor and BYU played an overtime game. Which, uh, BYU won, which was uh, really good. That was double, and then Texas Tech beat Houston in double OT as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and, and 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 Kansas football with the conference win over West Virginia in Morgantown. We've had um, three weeks of college football. Two weeks of you know where everybody's been playing top twenty-five action. Uh, who's impressed you so far? Um, I guess, I guess I, I really, as I say that, I know the easy answer. I mean, the easy answer would be Alabama, just for their poise. But um, I want to say I'm not. I'm going to go a little differently here. The team that's impressed me is is the team that you know was. Probably one of the worst college football programs. I mean, it's two weeks in, but um, I got to say KU, KU football. <laughs> I mean, look, this has been – KU football has been a, a complete disaster. They've probably gone through five coaches, five or six coaches, since Bill Sell's been there in 2003. Uh, you look at – it was Mangino – Wise, Gill, Beatty, some other guy in the current, Les Miles. So about seven coaches for this football team. And even though West Virginia might is either a down year or they don't have the weapons like they used to, but to go to Morgantown to win a game on the road like that, that's pretty impressive. And for especially for a downtrodden program, so just even win two and zero, they could probably go two and ten. But at least for this moment, I'll give them my gold star of the week. Um, Miami's looked impressive. Um, Georgia leapfrog Alabama after this weekend, so that's going to be very fun as we move forward. I don't think we talked about this. Um, college football is going to uh, adopt the 12-team playoff. 
Oh, um, yeah, we did. Uh, coming into uh, as soon as I think they said 2026, they have to figure out logistics and money and 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 revenue and home games and all those things like that. But right. um, they need to just make every every bowl game part of the college football playoff at this point because that's what eventually was going to get to. Um, with the announcement of the playoff expanding to 12 teams. Uh, it doesn't look like the fate of the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC is as as dire as it was two months ago uh, mm-hmm. uh, when the announcement was made about the Big Ten and, and SEC, uh, you know, expanding in, into coming to these two super conferences and everybody else kind of just left trying to scramble. Um, your overall thoughts of the way that this is going to be set up, um, we're going to have – the top four seeds uh, get a bye, and then um, the next highest uh, seeds are going to be hosting the games uh, mm-hmm. on their campuses uh, is what the tentative structure is. Uh, so just your thoughts, sir, on college football going to 12 teams in the playoff. I don't, I mean, it's, I, it was inevitable they're gonna add teams, but because everybody's gonna be tired of seeing the same old teams. But the problem is, the problem is, you're going to see the same old teams in the college football playoff. Like it's going to happen, and. I just, uh, I'm not, uh, I wasn't a fan of it expanding. I knew it was going to, but I just don't, I don't think it's not going to change anything. I know when we were talking on Twitter, I just give extension of life to the big slash pack, uh, 12 and university, um, Joe look ah, wait, um, I was trying to do a different comparison, but let me try that again. So, it's not going to be, you expand the playoffs, it's not going to change anything. Um, you're not going to see, you're not, it's not like March Madness. It's not like you're going to see a, um, upset by... You're not gonna see an upset late that late in the season, like you do. They're gonna they're trying to make it a crapshoot, and it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. It's just not working. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when I look at when I look at just uh, you got the Georgias, the Alabamas, and aren't like nine of the top twenty teams SEC teams anyway, so. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about on Twitter how we gave, how the um, expansion gives the Big 12, Pac-12 a reprieve, but it's going to make a difference. I mean, you're still going to have, you're still going to have teams that are going to still try to clamor for the tournament uh, only to get knocked off by 
another team in their house. That's really what's going to boil down to. Well, it allows for the non-power conferences to be represented because, um, you know, basically um, it's going to be the six, you know, the five, um, the five power conference winners, the sixth, um, you know, like that next conference, that conference winners, they get group of five. Yeah, group of five and then the whatever power conference, the next big conference, they get the six automatics and then you get the six at largest. So, you know, it would have made for a, um, uh, a pretty good field this year. Um, you know, if you once you got past Cincinnati and you get into the LSUs and the other teams that finished in the top 12. Um, so I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to uh, allow everybody to at least now everybody won't be shut out. Like the Pac-12 has been shut out for so long, you know. Um, and now they, through this, in theory, legitimately have a better chance of winning the championship. So, uh, anything that allows more teams to have an opportunity to participate and or uh, potentially win a championship, I'm all for it. Oh. I'm all for it. Especially in college where um, things are changing so fast, maybe this can kind of slow down the changes and everybody jumping conferences and stuff. And, you know, it's like, okay, there's still a pathway if we keep the ACC the way it is, if we keep the Big 12 the way it is, the Pac-12 the way it is, maybe tweak, uh, you know, add a team here and there. But doesn't look like they need the big overhaul that it looked like they were going to need a few months ago. Um, that's it as far as uh, college football goes. Um, not really a lot of uh, let's see if there's, I think there's maybe one or two really top matchups in the top 25 for college football this week, but uh, I don't think there's going to be as many uh, as last week or that very first weekend uh, where they stacked it up. It's a lot of good matchups. You got BYU and Oregon, there's 12 and 25 going at it against each other, and that is the only, and then you got Miami and Texas A&M. Uh, Miami's number 13, Texas A&M's 24. Uh, that actually is now a very big game with Jimbo coming off the loss to Appalachian State and the offense struggling. So uh, all eyes will definitely be on Jimbo Fisher uh, in that particular game. So those are the matchups uh, for this upcoming week in college football. Uh, we turn to the quick uh, news story in the NBA. Uh, the uh, NBA has suspended... Suns owner Robert Sarver for one year and uh, fined him $10 million uh, for basically uh, conduct that's violating workplace uh, safety or workplace protocols. Um, so, yeah, so there's been a bunch of talk and speculation for a couple of years about just the work environment around the Phoenix Suns, inside the Phoenix Suns. And uh, treatment of women and negative uh, um, actions towards women. So all of this investigation came out, and uh, Adam Silver did basically what Adam Silver. Only thing he could do for him was suspend him for a year and fine him because uh, he 
couldn't oh. strip him of the team because there's no way that he could get 24 of those guys to be like, yeah, let's kick him out for that. Um, because I'm pretty sure there's the a couple of years ago we heard you know talk about Mark Cuban and Dallas's workplace and the things that, that he had to do to kind of go and out of his way to to prove that hey you know we've changed our culture and so you know he's, he's not the only one that sons are the only ones that are going through uh, that type of stuff I'm sure um, they're just the ones who are under investigation and caught. Um, this comes at a time after free agency here in a kind of dead period for the NBA. Um, how do you think this is going to affect the Suns during the season? Do you think this is kind of a runway where they can, you know, not answer the questions about it here in the summer, maybe get a couple more rounds during the, uh, the media preseason portion of the of the of the schedule and then kind of be done and focus on the season. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think this is a situation where a lot of insensitive, a lot of um it's the weird lack of accountability honestly on his part. Yeah, I really think with the way that this uh, Sarver situation has gone about, the the one thing that they could have done and they, you know, I'm not surprised that they didn't, and this is another thing that we talked about, was how quickly and swiftly they didn't get him out. Um, constant, when you look at... Um, we look at how they got Donald Sterling out, but that that was done over um, over years. Um, it's one of those things where I'm not sure what was said. I don't. I'm more wondering what he said about the Mercury more than the Suns. I mean. The things that were said about the Suns is one thing, but, you know, you get women involved in it, and especially with the delicacies of the Brittany Griner situation right now. You know, it's just, you've heard a lot of talk around the Suns um, in the last four to five years. Um, you know, it kind of came up during their coaching vacancy. Um you know, they were having a, uh, the way that they treated Earl Watson and the way that they were kind of just moving away from coaches really fast. Uh, you started hearing rumblings about how the workplace environment under Sarver uh, left a lot to be desired. I think Earl Watson was one of the first people to kind of shed a little bit of light on kind of what they had going on out there. Um, just a tougher, like you said, a tougher deal to try to get owners, the rest of the owners to vote on, get him out. Um, so he did what he could do. And of course, everybody's bashing him for it and giving Adam Silver a hard time. It's like, well, you went so hard when this happened. And, and, but he was like, but the sentiment towards this owner and what he did, uh, was, was, was far different. So, um, 
a lot of people aren't happy, but you know they might have to take a a, a small step uh, f- towards the greater good. You know, in this particular case. All right, man. I'm gonna turn it over to you at this point in time for your final thought. Final thoughts. I mean, I got so many final thoughts. It's kind of hard to just pick one. Um, you know, shout out to you, Don. Let me do shouts first. Thanks to you, Don. Shout out to the Rasselcast, NXT Cast, um, Dynamite Cast, Raw Cast, SmackDown Matters. All the hashtags. Um, good to see Black and Gold back again on NXT. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of things. I want to kind of try to do a quick little hodgepodge. Uh, Serena Williams, uh, unfortunately, got eliminated in the US Open. Could be her very last match. Uh, but she's definitely top three, if not top one, uh, greatest of all time athletes. Uh, male or female, uh, dead or alive, the things that she's been able to do, uh, trailblaze for a younger generation of women's tennis stars, black women tennis stars in particular, uh, is definitely something inspiring to watch. And I love the fact that she gave love to her older sister, saying there's no Serena without Venus. So that was pretty awesome there. Uh, another one, another quick thought. WNBA Finals, uh, Las Vegas dominated in Game 2. Asia Wilson, the reigning MVP, showed why she's the MVP. Kelsey Plum showed up in Game 2. Chelsea Gray is the ultimate X-Factor. Uh, Becky Hammond, who ironically was part of that franchise when she was a player in, when they were in San Antonio as the Silver Stars. Now the head coach uh, under Pops Tulich for all those years in San Antonio with the Spurs, getting her opportunity to run her show and keep doing it, but don't count Connecticut out just yet. They're 3-0 elimination games. They did eliminate the defending champions guy, so um, don't don't count them out just yet. Um, final thought, uh, why not baseball? Um, a lot of Aaron Judge. I'm not a Yankees fan by any means or stretches of the imagination, but what Aaron Judge has been doing all season, I expect him to break the American League record that stood for 61 years. Um, Roger Maris is 61 and 61, 61 years old. Um, it's about to. It's about to come to an end, barring anything happening. Um, but this has been a remarkable season for Aaron Judge. It's been fun to watch. A lot of storylines in baseball. And Albert Pujols get to 700 before his career is over. He's already said he is retiring at the end of the season. He's retiring as a St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, a lot of pen races. Um, we already talked about the Vets and the Braves and the NL East. The Dodgers have won the West. Cardinals have a good lead over the Central. And then in the AL, the Yankees healthy lead. Uh, 
but you want to say Cleveland has a healthy lead in Houston. So uh, those are my hodgepodge of thoughts. Um, I'll turn it over to you, Doc. All right. Thank you, Dwayne. Um, good luck to your Mets. They're leaking oil coming down the stretch, but uh, we'll see if they can hold on to uh, shade to uh, to 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 at least uh, a wild card spot. Uh, I'd just like to give a shout out, like I said, to Dwayne for joining me here on Know the Score once again. Just give a big shout out to all the listeners and everybody who watched it the CSPN, who uh, you know allows this platform to be able to go do cool things like cover the commanders in person for me. So uh, thank you to all the listeners and everybody who's listened to the CSPN and know the score uh, in particular. Um, final thought, final thought, final thought, final thought. Um, just the NFL, man, week one. Um, don't read too much into what you saw in week one, uh, whether it was good or bad. Uh, teams uh, make the biggest leap and change the most from week one to week two. So teams who look terrible this week will probably look a lot better, and teams who look really good will probably look a little worse. So uh, just kind of settle in a little bit and uh, don't jump to too big of a conclusion uh, one way or the other uh, about some of these teams uh, based off of their week ones because uh, it, it, it has a really good chance to swing the opposite direction. Uh, this upcoming week, and uh, then you'll kind of be back zero, and then you'll have to get a couple more weeks under your belt. So after about a month, maybe five games, uh, we'll be able to kind of figure out uh, what these teams are, who's got what, and uh, who may be around uh, at the end of the season. So just uh, as Aaron Rodgers said last year after game one, R-E-L-A-X, just relax, folks. Just relax. So on that note, for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.